Why do you believe what you believe? This is Fishing for Men with Mac. It is 11 February 2022. I'm speaking here from Durban, South Africa, and it's really great to have you listen in. Uh, for those of you who are the first time with this podcast, Fishing for Men with Mac is just a uh, a podcast that is about making disciples, it's about apologetics, it's about dealing with the big worldview questions about why do I exist, where do I go when I die, how do we determine what is right and what is wrong and many questions like that and just basically grappling with different worldviews and so it's made for, for Christians who are trying to make disciples, trying to fulfill the great commission that Jesus gave us and it's also a podcast for those who are struggling to have faith, struggling to believe that Jesus exists. And so I try to deal with, with some issues that will help people understand that the faith that Christians have is very reasonable and very rational. So hello, everybody. Well, at least those who are left and listening to this podcast, because this podcast has been so silent. I mean, it's already February and I'm only recording the first one for 2022. Um, I don't know what the story is with 2022. How's yours been? But mine has been just crazy. The first month and, and a week has just been insane. My my mother-in-law um, almost losing her business premises. My, my mom falling off a quad bike, breaking her hip, having to go into surgery. And that uh, obviously affects our lives. My son breaking his elbow. Well, that was the end of last year, but still has an effect into this year. My kids in school. They're going to a new school and it's just loaded. It feels like I'm going to school again. It's just, there's so much stuff going on. Uh, we, we had a weekend away with, with a group of disciples. It was absolutely wonderful uh, uh, to prepare and do eight lessons in that one weekend. And so it's just been, it's just been crazy. Personally, ministry-wise, life-wise, it's been crazy. But hey, how's your first month been? And I'm glad that you've, if you're listening to this, I'm glad that you've, you've joined us in uh, today. Uh, I want to kick off uh, this episode, and this is, by the way, episode 74 of this podcast. And, and I want to kick it off with a question, why do you believe? And um, I want you to think about that for a moment. That is if you do obviously believe. Uh, why do you believe in God? And maybe I need to start off and ask, well, what do you believe? You might be listening to this and you don't believe in God. But why do you believe that God does not exist? Then the question would be, what do you base your, your evidence on? Um, and you, you might believe that there's aliens. Why do you believe that? You might believe that, uh, th that COVID is a huge conspiracy theory. Then why do you believe that? You might believe that the situation on the border between uh, on the border of Ukraine between the Russians and the Ukrainians you might be saying well that's the beginning of the third world war okay well if that's what you believe why would you believe that i think it's important that whatever it is that we believe that we sort of understand why we believe that what's the reasoning behind that now i met this lady that seems to have had quite a life of drama now i'm always on the lookout for for the lost you know, look out for people who are struggling with life, looking out for people who are just confused about why they exist and what what's what's going on under the sun. Um, look, there are loads of lost people out there. So it's easy. I could just walk out in the street right now and find a lost person. But I, I, I'm particularly on the lookout for people who are lost and sort of knows it. 
and is seeking answers. Those are the best type of people to connect to because they're actually seeking. They want to figure out. You get people that look at their lives and they're like, they look back at the last 30 years and they say, look, man, the way that I run my life, it's a mess. I need to do something about it. And then you get people that can go for 30 years, make a mess all around their lives and never realize, look, <laughs> uh, there's something wrong. They just think it's normal. So anyways, I, I was talking to this this girl and, you know, she was just one of those those amazing situations where where she's actually trying to figure out what is going on. Um, and so, so we just hit off the conversation. She's living with her ex-husband whom she has a child with. And that for me was quite interesting. Like, how do you, you, you break up and then you still live together, still sleep in the same bed, <laughs> but you've, you've been divorced. And so I found that very interesting. At one point she said, it, this feels so good talking to you as if you have done this a lot. What do you do? Now, that's the, that's the question that I despise. I don't want to hear that question when people ask me that. And, and so I try to avoid telling people I'm a preacher or an evangelist or a, or a minister dude. I, 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 just, I, didn't want, I don't want to tell people that because what I've experienced so often is that then people start treating me differently. They, they think that they can't have a normal. It's as if they automatically assume, okay, well, here's an irrational religious dude and uh, now I've got to watch my words and sort of be sensitive about what this guy believes because I don't really believe you know so that's generally so I told her I'm a mechanic and then I waited a few seconds and then she's like oh okay and looking at my fingers to see if there's grease under my fingernails and I said no I'm, I'm a people mechanic Luckily, she didn't ask too much further about that. And, you know, she just asked, where did I study? And so I said, I studied here, there, and I studied some psychology and things like that. So it didn't really come out that I was a preacher, but it came out that I was definitely working with people. You know, I don't want to push people away. Um, so, and then, so, so we had this wonderful conversation, and then we sort of separated. And a week later, this was now on, on, on Wednesday, I walked into her again. And all the while we are talking, I'm looking for this inroad to talk to her about the things that really matter. It is clear that she's lost and she's hurting. And I honestly believe that there's only one solution. And you've heard the statement probably before, within the heart of man, there's a void. And it's a God-shaped void that cannot be filled by anything else except God. You can try to fill that void with money, with drugs, with alcohol, with whatever. Um, if that void doesn't get filled by God, it will never be filled. And so you will seek until the day you die. And so I'm talking to her because I can see there's a void in her heart and I wanted to, to know who God is. Um, and it turned, then, and then she told me that after we met the previous week, a pastor just randomly arrived by a shop and prayed for her. The next day, her arm swelled up and she was placed in hospital. Then she found out while she's in hospital that her ex was defrauding her and she moved out of the house to her parents, to me, and I believe to her, this was divine intervention. She said to me, that sort of changed the life. And so it, it, it feels like God had sent me into her life. Then he sent this other guy. Then he brought this uh, medical condition and it just took her out of that house. It ripped her out of that situation that she found her, herself in. And so it really looked like God was busy working in her life. Now, it's always difficult talking to people like this because you've got to sort of figure out how am I going to approach this girl? How am I going to introduce the topic of Christ? Um, 
Now, in our conversation, she opened that door because I never want to push that onto people. She said, I want my child to go to church with my parents. And that, that conversation just came out randomly, or that statement. It just came out randomly. I want my child to go to church with my parents. And then I asked her about her parents and the Christian faith. And, and she said that her parents became Christians when, when she was 14 years old. They were Tamil or Hindu or, or whatever. And so, so I asked her, but okay, so why don't you take your child to church? And I think that was like, you know, and this is something very important. If you, if you do believe in Christ and you do want to talk to people about, about him, like Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20, you, you don't have to be concerned about what do I say? You know, when do I bash them with the Bible and things like that? No, you just, you just wait for them. The door will open and the Holy Spirit will tell you, okay, now's the time to talk about this. And so, uh, it was it was just such a wonderful opportunity. The whole the whole conversation just pointed in that direction because by me asking her why don't you take your child to church is indirectly asking her, I'm indirectly asking her what is your spiritual condition like, and you know what her answer was? She said I'm too scientific for that. I'm too scientific to go to church. In other words, she was telling me. I need evidence to believe in something like Christianity. It needs to be rational. It needs to make sense to be. There needs to be proof that Christianity is true. And then she started giving me an ins and trying to give me an explanation. And the, the explanation sort of failed horribly because she said to me, um, and I don't know why she just switched over to this, but she said, let me give you an example like, like, like COVID. COVID is a conspiracy. And, you know, there's a <clears throat> there's world powers involved and and things like that. And I, I thought to myself, I, I, I don't think she she explained that to me to, to sort of explain that she believes in science. I think there was it was just on her heart, you know, that she was trying to say, look, I believe in things differently. And so I said to her, OK, do you have proof that it is what you say it is? Do you have proof that COVID is a conspiracy? Guess what she answered? She said, no, but I have a feeling and I believe it must be a globally designed plan. Do you see what she did? She believed in something that she didn't have evidence for. She believes that COVID is a conspiracy, yet she doesn't have evidence for it. Do you see it's possible to believe in something without having evidence for it? And you know what I find so interesting is how many people there are out there who believe that they will say, you know, I don't believe in Christianity because I need evidence. But at the same time, they believe in things that they don't have evidence for. People walk around us all the time believing things that they don't have evidence for. Like, for example, <coughs> atheists. Atheists don't have evidence that God does not exist. Yet they will say God doesn't exist. And then you say to them, hey, but that's an interesting belief that you have. You know, we both believe something, you just believe something different. And then the person would say, no, 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 it's not, it's not my belief, it's facts. No, it's not facts, because you don't have facts and evidence that God does not exist. Okay, so, um, so here's this girl, she believes in something without evidence. She claims to need evidence before believing in Jesus, but she believes in COVID conspiracy without evidence. What a contradiction. So all of us believe in some things, even though we don't have evidence. Anyways, 
we continue to talk about the four worldview questions, you know, origin, where do I come from, meaning, what's the purpose of life, morality, how do I determine what's right and wrong, and destiny, where do I go when I die? And she sort of said, you know, she has her own views on everything, you know, and so I asked those questions to, um, to, to specifically um, sort of dig out, you know, what does she believe? And so I asked her, what is your basis for believing the things that you do? In other words, you have your own idea about what the purpose of life is and, you know, where do you go when you die? Okay, she said she, she, the third one, she can't figure out where do you go when you die. She doesn't have any thoughts on that. But she's got clear um, f belief systems on the first three questions. She's got answers for the first three questions. And so I said to her, okay, so you, you, you believe you've got the answer for these three, first three questions. Where do you get your facts and your science and your evidence to prove that that's the truth? In other words, how do we determine what's right and wrong? Where do you come from? What's the evidence? What's your basis for that, for believing that? How do you know your view of life is true? And in order to help her understand the question, because I could see she was struggling a little bit with that. And by the way, most people out there, they don't have evidence, scientific evidence, proof or rationality or reasonability for the things that they believe about life. Most people out there. And so I decided, okay, let me explain this to her, like my worldview. What's the basis for my worldview? And I said to her, well, I believe in Jesus. And I could see she was like, okay, let, let's see where this is going. And I said to her, he was a real historical figure. No serious scholar disagrees with that. Whether you're an atheist or not, Jesus lived, ladies and gentlemen. He was a real historical figure. It's a fact of history. History does also fall into this, the, 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 um, the space of reasonability and rationality. And so she said, yes, I also agree that, you know, Jesus probably lived, but he wasn't the son of God. And so I said, well, you know, you know what? You, you might have a point there. That could be true, but there's one problem. He rose from the dead. If he didn't die... And he didn't rise from the dead. There wouldn't be this big fuss about Jesus. He would have just been this guy who lived. He claimed to be the son of God. And then he died on a cross. And then, you know, he was buried. And then, you know, maybe they stole his body. Or maybe his body stayed behind. But let me tell you this. If his body stayed behind and his body was on the earth somewhere, Christianity would not have existed. I mean, the, you know, the, 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 the Jesus movement would have died out like a car without, without petrol. Okay? And so I said to her, but his body's not on the earth. And so she said, yes, but even today, you know, people die and their bodies disappear. Well, first of all, it's very um, rare that that does happen. But let's say that does happen. I think in the case of Jesus, it would be highly unlikely because the disciples knew where Jesus was buried. And I mean, he had a large following. There were thousands of people that uh, followed Jesus. So um, I'm sure that, you know, they would have done some investigation as to where his body is. Um, and so she said, well, just like bodies disappear today, that doesn't mean that Jesus rose from the dead. And so I said to her, but that is where the difference comes in, because his body became alive. It's not just that his body disappeared, his body became alive. People saw him die. People saw him after the crucifixion. And if the story was a hoax, Christianity would not have grown. It would have long time back been exposed as a hoax. 
for 2,000 years. And the people immediately after Jesus, immediately after Jesus the, the, the whole Christian movement exploded. And the reason why the Christian movement exploded was because Jesus rose from the dead. He actually did. If he didn't, it would never have developed. She said, what? Did people see Jesus after the resurrection? I never knew that. And that just revealed to me how many people there are out there who choose not to believe in Jesus. And they've never even investigated the evidence. And I say, yes, that's why Christianity exists. Because Jesus rose from the dead. More than 500 people saw him after his resurrection. Four witnesses, physical witnesses, wrote down their accounts. There are more than 24,000 copies of these accounts in a time when printers did not exist. It's a miracle. It's a phenomenal. <laughs> it's a phenomenal event in history. The resurrection of Jesus rocked the world forever. The reason why I share the story with you is so that you can see that most often people who do not believe in Jesus, they don't know the facts or they don't want to know the facts. They never bother to find out. They might have grown up with this idea that Christianity is just, you know, rules and stuff and they actually not interested. It's really it's not an intellectual problem. It's a heart problem or they do know the evidence, but they don't want to believe it is true. And sometimes people believe without the evidence. Think about that for a moment. Do you need all kinds of evidence to believe in Jesus? Or do you believe without evidence? And it's important to talk about this. Why? Because one of the things is I think it is good to believe without evidence. But it is Awesome and perhaps greater to also be able to prove what you believe to be true with evidence. Many Christians cannot give reasonable and rational reasons why they believe. And I really don't have a problem with that. I think it's amazing. If you believe and you don't have evidence, I think that is honorable. It, it brought me to think about Thomas. Now, Thomas didn't believe Jesus had risen from the dead. But then Jesus appeared to the apostles and Jesus said to Thomas, put your finger in my wounds and see for yourself. Stop doubting and believe. And then the text says that Thomas exclaimed, this is in John chapter 20, when, when he saw Jesus and the wounds on his body and he saw him standing living in front of him, he said, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus said, listen to this carefully, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now that might just be you. That might just be you. Those who believe without experiencing the evidence. Those who believe in Jesus and what he did on the cross. And you, yet you didn't put your finger into his wounds. You are even more blessed according to Jesus. The Apostle Peter saw Jesus risen from the dead. He was in that room when Thomas was there. And Peter wrote a few years ago in 1 Peter 1 verse 8 to some Christians scattered throughout the pagan world. People who have never seen Jesus physically. He wrote the following to them. He says to them, though you have not seen him, 
You love Him. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Even the people who lived like 30 years after Jesus, they believed with all of their hearts and they were filled with an inexpressible joy. And they loved Him even though they didn't put their fingers into His wound. I admire people who believe even though they don't know the evidence. In actual fact, they are the evidence that Jesus is alive because Jesus had touched their hearts in a miraculous way, in a way that they do not doubt their faith at all. There are Christians in this world, you can bring to them the most powerful arguments against their Christian faith. They will still believe because the evidence is in their hearts. But even though this happens and most definitely it happened in my life. I still believe it is good for Christians to know the evidence. Why? Because when we make disciples, we need to have both faith and evidence in mind, especially when we talk to people like with this lady. And that's something that I wrestled with as the doors started opening up. Should I speak to her heart? In other words, should I, should I help her see that sin has hurt her and that she needs salvation from it? Should I just talk about her life and ask her, look back at your life. Do you think the way you've lived your life is, is, is honorable? Do you think that that has been a, you know, that your life has been a blessing? Should I speak to her heart or should I give her the evidence so that she can see the facts? Should I explain to her the, <laughs> the rationality of believing Jesus? Should I talk to her about the prophecies that Jesus had fulfilled more than 400 prophecies all in one man? Should I point her to some of the Christian evidences about the um, historical facts regarding the life of Jesus? What about all the other historical facts that proves the Bible to be true? It's a difficult thing. Which do you choose? Sometimes people believe even though they are scientific and see no evidence. Why? Because the gospel speaks to their hearts. The Holy Spirit does something inside of them. But other times people need the evidence in order that they may consider to open their hearts. Sometimes you give people the most rational evidence, the most powerful evidence, the most powerful, reasonable arguments, and they still do not believe in Jesus. Well, it's because they've got a heart problem. For hundreds of years, scholars have wrestled with the relationship between faith and reason or between faith and evidence. I would like to share with you just some of the key ideas that has been portrayed by various scholars to broaden your understanding. And I'll, I'll sort of conclude with this. And so uh, St. Augustine, who lived about 800 years ago, he, seemed, he believed that when people listen to the word of God, it leads them to convert. Sometimes people, they don't need evidence. They just need to hear the preaching of the word of God and the door opens in their, their hearts. And then St. Augustine goes on to say, but the reason we can believe in the Bible is because of two things. He says, because of prophecy. 700 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah wrote already. And he said, man, you know what? Jesus is going to be born here. He's going to be called this. They're going to divide his clothes on the cross. He even predicted, the Old Testament predicted what Jesus would say on the cross. And then with some scholars and, and, and people of about 100 years ago, we used to say, they used to say, yeah, but you know what? The book of Isaiah was written after 
after Jesus had died. And so it was, it, it was basically written after the fact. Of course he said those things because Isaiah was written afterwards. And then they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. I think in the 1930s it, it was found. And the Dead Sea Scrolls revealed to us that the book of Isaiah was written long before Jesus existed. And so prophecy confirms the Bible to be true and also miracles. And then St. Augustine specifically talks about the biggest miracle of all, which is the church, not the institution, but the people, the 3.2 billion people today who still believe in Jesus, that this movement has not been able to be extinguished and that people are free out of their free will signed up to be follower of Jesus. If the Bible was not true and the story of the resurrection was not true, there wouldn't have been such a thing as a church today. And round about the same time, Thomas Aquinas, he said that there are certain things about the Christian faith that you cannot fathom with reason, like the Trinity. And so, yes, it is true. How can we prove the Trinity exists? It's very hard. And so Thomas Aquinas says some things we will just have to accept by faith. Some things cannot be proven by reason and fact. And we need to keep that in mind. John Locke lived about 300 years ago, lived during the Enlightenment. He said that if you cannot prove something to be rational, then it must not be accepted. For him, there was no such thing as a faith that is uh, rational. He claimed that truth cannot contradict reason. For, and for him, the two greatest evidences of Christianity's truth is fulfilled prophecy and palpable miracles, just the same as Thomas Aquinas had also said. Henry Dodwell, he thought exactly the opposite of Locke. For him, faith had nothing to do with reason. He said the Bible teaches that the way to God is through our hearts, not through our intellect. Right? You see how these great scholars in the past, how they differ on this topic. Karl Barth and Rudolf Bultmann, our contemporary theologians, Barth said we cannot figure out God. If you think that we can reason God into existence, he said we can't figure it out. It's beyond reason. We can only come to God through faith, Barth says. According to Barth, people come to faith through an encounter with the Word of God. Bultmann believed that rational evidence is irrelevant and actually contrary to faith. He says faith is not real faith unless there is no evidence. It is believing without seeing. Wolfhard Pannenberg, he said that if Christianity wants to be taken seriously by this generation, it needs to be open to be tested with the same scientific methods as all other disciplines are tested. And so he says, yes, let's get the evidence. In other words, we must put some effort into gathering the evidence that proves Christianity is rational and that it is reasonable. Alvin Plantinga, according to him, there is no need for rationalism. The idea that God exists is rational in itself. And that's a whole nother discussion for another day. But I think these guys sort of point out to us the, the dilemma or the dichotomy or the battle that we have today. In a way, rationality and reasonability and science and evidence is not necessary. People believe without the evidence because the Holy Spirit does a work in the heart of people who come to God. <laughs> and then in another way, the evidence is necessary because the evidence um, proves that what we believe, despite reason, is actually reasonable. I think most people, I think, you know what, we just need a willing heart to repent. We know when we are in a mess and when we need Christ. 
And we just need that to come to a position where we believe that God is real. But we also need to be able to prove our faith is reasonable and rational. We need to know the evidences. Although we might not have needed the evidence when we came to faith, it doesn't mean that there are not others who do need such rationality. And so I want to leave with you a sentence or an idea spoken often by Dr. William Lane Craig, I believe the world leader in apologetics. He says there's a difference between knowing the Christian faith and showing the Christian faith to be true. Now, you might be listening to this podcast and you know God is real. You know Christianity is true, but you might not be able to prove it. You just know in your heart because the Holy Spirit has come into your heart and has converted you, turned your life around. I do believe that it's necessary to step up to the plate and be able to show to others that Christianity is true. And if, you, if you're interested in growing and learning in that, that sphere, this podcast is one of the ways where we talk about things like that. I hope that you'll be blessed this week as you are just inspired and excited to know that Christianity is true, that Jesus is real. And I hope that you are willing to develop and to say, you know what, I want to be able to show people that Christianity is true, that Jesus is real, and that when you allow him into your life, he changes it forever. May you guys have a wonderful week. Welcome to 2022 with a podcast. God bless you. And we'll talk again next week. Cheers.